0: to the Enterprise Design Podcast brought to you by VMware Design. Today we have a very exciting guest. We have Kit Colbert. He is the Chief Technology Officer at VMware. Welcome. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Kit Colbert, CTO here at VMware. Um, I am, uh, they call a lifer, I guess. I've been at VMware <laughs> for 20 years now. Just hit my 20-year anniversary a few weeks ago. Congrats. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great ride. Uh, starting as an entry level engineer, uh, I come from the software development side. You know, did computer science in college, and then uh, loved all the low level systems problems that we were working on at VMware. And yeah, I've kind of risen through the ranks, had the opportunity to do a bunch of different things across the company, and I think learned uh, a good deal of stuff. Gotten incrementally introduced to, to design throughout that time, you know, particularly now as CTO for the last two years, having the design team within my organization has really given me a much greater appreciation and better understanding of it. So very happy to be here and very happy to dive in and talk about all things design.
2: That is amazing. Thank you, Kit, uh, for that fantastic introduction. And I think we're going to double down on the few of the things you just mentioned. I must emphasize for our audiences that um, Kit is undeniably a true trailblazer in the tech world. 20 impressive years, like you said, from a uh, um, senior MTS right on the college to the CDO.
1: Not even senior MTS. I was an MTS one.
2: Got it. Got it. All right. So now, without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with the first question, something that a lot of us in VMware design wanted to know probably, uh, which is about your uh, the time that you served as our interim design org leader for a brief period last year. How has that experience been? working closely with designers during that time?
1: It was great. I was certainly aware of design and uh, interacted with many designers before that period, but I don't think I had a full appreciation for it. And it really took me directly managing the team and spending a lot of time with the team to understand uh, the extent of it. I definitely you know, sort of raised my hand and, and uh, say mea culpa as being one of those people who had sort of naively assumed that a lot of the design was kind of, you know, UI level design, like let's get some buttons and make this thing look pretty, et cetera. And I think, you know, the the really big takeaway for me was this notion that, you know, design is so much more holistic and all encompassing. This notion that, yeah, I mean, the UI makes sense and let's go design that well, but good design will actually eliminate Whole classes of UIs or other sorts of user interactions that just aren't necessary for a given workflow. If you can design it properly, if you can really plug into what the user is uh, wants and is intending to do, you can really streamline that at a more foundational, fundamental level uh, than I think I was thinking about before. So it really opened my eyes to the the breadth uh, of thinking, and also I got much more educated. About the different aspects of design, you know that this aspect of user research and really how critical it is to the entire process. Um, <clears throat> and honestly, you know, talking about how we can continually grow and get better, I think at VMware, you know, we don't use this capability enough. And as, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, I think you know, user research is one of those things that it's great for the design team and obviously critical for the design function. But I see it as being so much more foundational and important beyond that as well. Uh, Product management, you know, engineering. These folks can really leverage our user researchers much better than than we've done. And we're making some progress there, changing the mindset and the culture a little bit. But it's definitely one of those works in progress. And then, you know, I learned a lot about our uh, design system we call Clarity. And really looking at sort of how foundational that is to, to helping to accelerate um, good design and good implementation of design, maybe I should say across uh, our company, and obviously some of the challenges they're having in terms of evolving with, with the newer technologies, uh, some of the the UI technologies coming out. And then I guess you know, the final one uh, would really be besides the actual you know designers themselves <laughs> would be um, our accessibility. So accessibility is a big focus within design. And again, it's one of those things that you know clearly, touches on design a lot as a function but it's also much broader than design and touches on so many aspects of how we build products and who should be involved in thinking about accessibility so it's another one of these things where you know it really came clear to me that i see design being uh, the central function, but one that can be a tremendous force multiplier when leveraged correctly. So it was really eye-opening. You know, I spent a lot of time uh, with many different folks across the team. It was, uh, how long was it? Eight-month yeah. process, maybe eight, nine months, something like that, <clears throat> where I was directly managing the team uh, between design leaders uh, that, that we had at the company. And so, yeah, so it was a really, really uh, great time for me just in terms of <laughs> learning and And educating myself, you know, this is like one of the things I love about VMware actually is the number of opportunities I've gotten to learn a completely new area that I knew either a little about or sometimes nothing about. And this is another one of those examples where I'm just very thankful for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And thank you for like touching on the Clarity Design System and accessibility and research because yeah, so often people forget that design is... the name throws it off a bit, let's be honest, yeah. <laughs> but that it is so much more than just UI design.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's and that's the debate I think the team's had on, do they call it design? Right. Do they call it user experience? Like, what's the better back and term? Forth.
0: Are we product designers? Are we UX designers? Or when are we? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um I want to go back a little bit because you have been here for a very long time and your your role has evolved. And obviously, as, as a, a leader recently, you've learned a lot about design, but I'm curious, if you can speak a little bit about what it was like back in the day as an IC, um, if, if there wasn't even a design team to work with, how did how did teams function at VMware um, with or without a designer?
2: And if you can talk about any specific challenges that you encountered while uh, working with designers in your previous roles.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, let me share, um, at least one story comes to mind. Maybe it'll be another one too. But let me give you, yeah, a little bit of the background. So. I joined VMware initially, actually, as an intern <clears throat> back in the summer of 2002. So VMware was very small at the time, uh, maybe about 150 people, give or take. So still a baby. Yeah, <laughs> it was doing well though. I mean, you know, had some early success. Still unclear at the time if it could survive sort of the the twin challenges of we kind of sandwiched ourselves in the middle of both Intel and Microsoft and the whole Wintel. Franchise seemed very impenetrable at the time. In any case, um, early days. Now, one of the things that attracted me to VMware was their focus on low level systems, in uh, particular uh, operating systems, and uh, the hypervisor is uh, kind of a type of operating system, really. But, uh, you know, I was kind of an OS nerd in college. I love this stuff. I love kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of how computers worked. And um, so, the, the tech that they had here was like super inspiring and, and super interesting for that reason and you know what's interesting if if I look back at the time at the types of engineers that we had it was you know all these absurdly smart super low level engineers like they had all of the Intel you know manuals <clears throat> and all the details of the instruction set and even like the errata so like the bugs in the Intel processor kind of funny enough like we at VMware as doing virtualization, we had to actually mimic even the bugs in the processor to do a, a technically faithful, um, you know, re- representation of the hardware. In any case, so these people are super low level, <clears throat> right? And you know, um, the founders also super low level, super hardcore. And the big focus, obviously, for the company was: can we do this? Can we actually virtualize these commodity hardware and commodity applications on a commodity operating system unmodified? And can we do it with performance? These were like literally unknown whether that was possible. Um, and you saw a lot of time being spent there. So the first product that came out was called VMware Workstation. It was essentially the desktop version. <clears throat> and, um, and they proved they could do it. But what's funny about that is you look at the product itself and there's not much there from a user experience standpoint, right? It's essentially a giant window for the VM you know, for the the you know, the operating system, the apps inside of it. And then a few simple buttons, right? You had like a play button and a stop button and a pause button. And so I don't I don't believe there was any designers or user experience folks or anyone with any sort of experience <laughs> in any of those disciplines. Um, <clears throat> but that was sort of the mentality, right? And uh so that's the background. And I think that is kind of core to VMware culture that we sort of obsess over these like low level systems and like these extremely hard problems. And you know, there wasn't much need, necessity to think about the experience of it because it was just, you know, this parent sort of um, was fairly simple uh, from a from a UX standpoint, at least at the beginning, right? <clears throat> so let's fast forward. So uh, the story I wanted to share was uh, my time uh, after I back joined back full time, it was probably. 2005, I started working on this technology called vMotion, which allows you to transparently migrate a running virtual machine between two physical hosts, which was, you know, just a profound uh, foundational technology for VMware. Now, as I was coming to the end of that, I did about four years <clears throat> on that technology. And after that, I moved oh, because of the fact that vMotion touched so many different subsystems within ESX there'd be all these kind of vMotion failures, and i get called in to sort of debug them and see what happened. And obviously what would happen is it would be some sort of problem with a different subsystem, usually something performance-related from this networking or storage or something. And obviously my code was perfect, never had any bugs. Um, so oh, nice. it was uh, all these other issues. But I, I became knowledgeable about the performance of these, of these systems. And so what we did was the team... Decided, or the executives decided, we needed to make a performance management solution for uh, vSphere, and we originally called that <clears throat> uh, vCenter Operations. Eventually, vRealize Operations, now called Aria Operations. So, in any case, uh, there was this period where I was, you know, kind of continuing on, uh, handing off the vMotion work, but also in the early days of what would eventually become vRealize Operations and kind of moving back and forth between those teams. I was the tech lead for both. And the reason I'm bringing this story up is because I want to sort of talk about the very different experience that I had between the two. Um, So when I went to the vMotion team, you know, we, we continually had these problems around, VMs are getting bigger, more memory, it created more performance issues because the network speeds were fixed until, you know, you get a step function, you know, going from like 1G NICs to 10G NICs. But for a while, you're stuck on 1G, even though the VMs are increasing more or less continuously in size. So we always had these, these battles to fight. And, you know, we go to these weekly meetings I would hold with those teams and, you know, we just like rip through the issues. Okay, here's a performance problem here. Are we making progress on it? Yeah, you got that good. And just kind of just every week making progress, very orderly, just like bam, 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 getting it done. It felt good, right? Like we were really like moving quickly and uh, were, we're well organized. And <clears throat> I contrast that with the discussions we'd have on the uh, vCenterOps side there we get like hung up. <clears throat> We're like, okay, we have these this button called health or this indicator called health, and uh, you know how exactly do we compute it? Well, what is the user trying to do with health? Is it saying that there's a problem with like a VM right now, like it's currently experiencing a problem? Is it a problem that might happen in the future? So some sort of probabilistic prediction um is it not really a is it a performance problem or is it a capacity problem like a performance problem is probably an urgent thing you need to fix whereas maybe capacity is not anyway so you know we got mired in these kind of circular arguments or discussions and it's like well what does the user really want and like i just remember going back and forth between those two environments and i'm like what is going on like how is it that on the Vmotion team, we're just like ripping through stuff, it's like well-organized, we're making progress every week. Whereas on this performance management V, uh, v center upside, se- we seem to be going in circles. And what I eventually realized <clears throat> was that the, the type of problem that we were solving was very different. On the Vmotion side, we were solving what I would call a systems problem. Whereas on the vcenter Center side, we were solving what I would call a management problem. And again, these are my terms, and I don't know if anyone else would agree, but those are my terms. So what is the salient difference between a system problem and a management problem? Well, a systems problem is one that is very easy to describe, you can concisely describe it, usually in a mm-hmm. sentence or less, but it's very hard to solve. So vMotion transparently migrate a running virtual machine between two physical hosts without any downtime or disruption. I can say that one sentence, what was that, 20 or 30 words. You know, you get it. Now solving it, you know, takes a bunch of PhDs, you know, years to go do. Same with virtualization. A management problem actually is the inverse of that, where describing or defining the problem is actually the harder thing because you can define it in any number of ways. There's no reason it has to be a certain way or not it really goes down to what your priorities are, what users are looking for, et cetera. But for any given definition, or whatever you decide, the solution is usually fairly simple. Like define health as, as whatever. It's a performance problem, an actively happening performance problem. Great. Okay, we can go do that, right? doesn't take a PhD to do that. We can just go knock it out. <clears throat> and so really I had that realization. I'm like, wow, you know, we at VMware are very good at these systems problems but we are not good at these management problems okay so that was the first realization i had but then the question was why is that and i think it took me a long time to eventually realize it's because we're not good at design or at least we weren't at the time because we didn't have design as sort of a function and when i look back i'm like you know we had all these engineers in the room and pms and and, but we didn't have any designers as far as i can recall. And we weren't doing like, you know, the sort of detailed user research that I just mentioned, you know, is, is so important. And, you know, uh, again, I was still early in my career and I had no idea that this was even a thing or, you know, I don't know. So it was clear to me at the time that there was a massive gap that we were struggling with. Um, and we did back, by the way, we eventually did get some designers in and, and that helped a bit. But um, But it was just so clear to me that and especially now looking back, that we could have put so much more structure in. In the same way that we did with the vMotion team to be able to make weekly progress on this, we absolutely could do, we could have, if we had known better, done that in the early days of vCenterOps to help us more quickly move through all of these what seem to be interminable, intractable questions that we didn't know how to answer. So for me, this really encapsulates, I think, the core history and mindset around design at VMware, which is that VMware has always prided itself on being a systems company. And yet, if you look at the evolution of the company, especially over the past 10 years, or you could argue even longer, um, it is these types, types of, what, you know again for hand wavy um, sense, management problems that have become more and more important for our success. More and more products, of ours live in that sort of management-ish. Again, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but domain, and thus you look at things like design, and then start to become more and more important. So I think you know what you see for us as a company overall <clears throat> is this large-scale transition and a need for evolution around what is important for us from an engineering standpoint and from a culture and mindset standpoint. And in this particular case, it's absolutely that, you know, design has become much more central. And so I still think we are working on fully internalizing that.
2: That is amazing. We're going to talk more about design being an integral part of our company, but you're right. When we, you know, we talk about technology problems versus human centered problems and while a technology problem can be complex Mm -hmm. Human-centered problems are usually complicated, and this has a logical solution. While this has an emotional solution.
1: Yep. (laughs) No, it's a good point. I'm actually, and that's another. I think really important framing that a systems problem, almost generally speaking, by definition, has very little user interaction. It's you know defining a protocol or you know low-level operating system. How do you do you know implement threading in a kernel? Whereas management, by definition, has user interaction because you are managing a system, there has to be some human user there, and so I think you're right, like systems problems are predominantly technology oriented, whereas management problems are predominantly or at least uh, predominantly user centric or at least if they're not predominantly, that's where a lot of the 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 greatest value derives
2: yeah, in, in your example, do you want to call that button health, or do you want to say? Health check or do a health check. You know how do you ensure or bring that affordance for your users? So let's move on to the next uh, question that I had. How was it taking on the design org? Like, can you describe the transition process and any immediate priorities or challenges that you faced when you stepped into that design role?
1: You know, the first thing for me was really trying to get understanding of what's going on. So, you know, uh, uh, spending more time with the team. Um, coming up to speed on what the key priorities and issues are, learning, yeah, are there any major roadblocks or things I need to jump into immediately? So I think there's a few different pieces there. Um, A lot of the, the, the design team is very focused on partnering with our business units and product teams to, you know, Work with them through the software release process, from you know the beginning, from the the early sort of initiatives, user research, and so forth, through the user interface design, and then you know out to uh, release. <clears throat> and generally speaking, that was working pretty well, right? Um, I think you know you look at some of the areas that needed some help, and, and really those were ones like the Clarity design system was going through a big uh, sort of strategy change so i wanted to really double down and make sure that that we were all aligned there and that we had all of the broader uh, product and, and business unit teams aligned as well <clears throat> and honestly that was a big theme during my time there was trying to get better awareness and visibility into everything that design does for the broader organization Again, I think you know the design team we have is is super super um, you know mature and got a, like a ton of great talent. Obviously, we can all we can all grow and get better, of course. So, not saying it's perfect, but you know, generally speaking, I think we do really well. The the challenge in my mind has been how do we get design to be more deeply involved. In our overall engineering process, and that really came up uh, to the forefront, right? And then again, so we talk about things like clarity, <clears throat> things like our accessibility as well, and just even getting earlier on um, for our, our 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 designers that, that work with the product teams earlier on in the product life cycle, product release life cycle, from the very earliest days. You know, the PMs discussing what features should we do and so forth. Well, like, how do we get design into those conversations? So that that was really, I think, the overriding focus for me was how to make it more relevant uh, and top of mind for folks where maybe it wasn't in the past and I think we've you know <clears throat> gotten uh, better at doing that made, made some good progress there but as I said going back to my you know previous uh, discussion around the, the history of VMware we have this history as a systems company and so the challenge is how do you sort of overcome that so that was a lot of my, my big focus honestly um, you know, when I went around and I, I spent time talking to all the different leaders within the design team, had a lot of one-on-ones and I continually heard that same sort of feedback. It's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of good work, but we can be even more effective, uh, if we're engaged earlier, if we're more of a, a sort of top of mind concern. So I do think, you know, for VMware, that's really where we, um, as an organization, you know, can grow and evolve and, and one that I saw fairly early on.
0: Did you see like, um, in your tenure as uh, as the interim leader or after that, um, anything that really stood out to you like, ooh, that's that's that seems like an effective way uh, of getting design to be uh, more embedded or acknowledged as its own entity that can help with these um, product releases?
1: The funny thing about design is that it's one of those things that anyone thinks they can do, even if they're not an expert in it you know, going back to the sort of systems problem example, right? Like someone's like, oh, design, you know, uh, cache coherent, you know, distributed protocol. It's like, okay, most people would just be like, I'm not going to try because that's just totally crazy. But if they're like, well, what's a better design, you know, UI design, this or that, everyone's going to have an opinion, even though they probably have a very uninformed opinion. I think that aspect sort of works against the design team sometimes because people believe I don't need these guys or maybe they don't even think about it. They're like, hey, I'm just going to make a decision. Good, let's go forward. They don't bring a lot of the, the sort of science and the you know um, experience and knowledge around design into it. So I think that's one of the things that I see to be a challenge. And so where I've seen design really be successful in getting to be a more front and center thought for PMs or for product leaders, is where the scope of what they're trying to do is so clearly overwhelming. They're like, okay, I need some help here. So for instance, you know, we've got some projects um within our infrastructure group around how they're trying to bring together VMware cloud. Uh, we've got all these different you know instantiations or or instances, I guess I would say, of VMware cloud. We got on-prem, we've got across a bunch of different clouds. And so One of the focus areas is how do we bring all that together to create one seamless user experience? And I think because of the focus on experience and because of the fact this is such a a big thing to try and get your arms wrapped around, I think we saw much more willingness, not just willingness, but interest in engaging with design from the very beginning. And so I think in that case, people realize, oh man, this is more than I can handle. And so, you know, let's go talk to the experts on it. And so I think it is that sort of realization though, that one of these things that you would say, "Hey, I can just make an informal decision because you know this thing looks better to me," so great or, or whatever. It's getting past that, and it's realizing all of the science and the structure and the data uh, collection and analysis that goes behind so many aspects of design. And I think this is another thing, you know, that that I was uh, not aware of as much because I think you don't speaking candidly coming again coming from the background of uh, the low level systems type person. A lot of design seems kind of softer, right? It doesn't necessarily have that same level of data or numerical rigor, and I think that's a common misinterpretation, right? And something that I'm, i I had, you know, I had, and I'm assuming many others do as well. But the reality is, when you, you know, and I, you know, especially just this past uh, VMware Explore event, seeing the design with us and having the team kind of take me through everything there it's like oh my god like you kind of just and it it always positively surprises me because i kind of forget it how how amazing it is and like like there's just a million little data points they're picking up on and all these kind of subtle things and they of course they design it in a very playful way that feels soft right because they're interacting with people they want to make it as simple as possible but there's a lot of like hard science behind it and so i think that's the other aspect that you know I try to communicate to folks is like, hey, this is not maybe what you think it is. And I don't know how to, I mean, how better to do that. I think there is a big education component that uh, there's so much data crunching and, and number crunching and so forth that goes into this, that this isn't just, hey, like designer X's preference. I mean, obviously everyone has their personal preference, but it is driven very much by data. And this is as data-driven a decision as anything else, and I think a lot of people completely miss that and assume it's just sort of a thing, you know, on a whim because someone likes it that way. Um, and so, for me, you know, the more that we can demonstrate the centrality of data to these decisions and the improvements that we get out of it, that, that's the other big thing: is like, how do we measure good design or the design is actually effective? And that's one, you know, that I I still struggle with and I'm not sure how to do. You know, this is something that we talked about a lot in trying to, you know, get the hearts and minds of everyone else, right, is, well, could we show what the ROI is, so to speak, that if you invest in design, you actually get these better outcomes. And there's a bunch of data sort of at a high level, you know, you go look at like the Gartners or McKinsey's or whoever, and, and, you know, you can find these reports. But oftentimes, I think for many Product leaders, that's a bit too abstract, a bit too high level, compared to where they're at, and that they need something they they, they want to see. Okay, let's say I have five designers instead of two. You know, what business improvements do I see? Do I see more product sales? Do I see faster time to value for customers? I, I don't know, right? And then how do I tie that input investment with that outcome? And so that's I think where we struggled, and I never quite figured out a really simple way. Of doing that, I think we've got you know a number of ideas there, but um, but in any case, I think it's like once you spend the time and and look you know with the team and kind of look under the covers of what's happening, you're like oh my god, this is amazing. But most folks don't ever spend that time because they don't know to, or they're not you know willing to sort of invest the the time and effort. So I think that's where I see still the big challenge for design to to win over (laughs) the naysayers or just the people that don't, don't don't know anything about it is what does that ROI look like. And how can you better quantify that?
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Since the last town hall that you had with us as a design leader, this was the the first time we are listening to you talk about design, uh, the entire conversation focused around design. (laughs) And I'm not just impressed, but I'm super delighted to understand how much you have learned uh, about design. And so my hypothesis is that if you take an OS nerd of a techie leader (laughs) and plug him into design for even a few weeks, you can get design a seat at the table. I mean, look at the transition that we have had since when you stepped in to now. Our design org has done a tremendous transition. So Mm -hmm. what's your take on that?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I think I'm obviously very uh, lucky to have such a great team who is willing to spend time and, and educate me. I think also one of my, I would say, personal strengths is willingness to challenge my own beliefs and to be open to learning new things, even if they may at first blush fly in the face of what I had assumed I knew before, right? And I I love being proven wrong. I mean, sometimes it's tough to take, but (laughs) I think in general, like I really like it because I, I love learning. And I do feel and maybe this is not true, maybe it's just naive for me to say, but I do feel like there is some sort of universal truth (laughs) to a certain set of things, you know, in the sense of like, what is the right way to uh, build a product? Or what is the right way to, uh, yeah, run an engineering organization? And for me, I I don't think anyone does it perfectly. But I think that, you know, my overriding concern is to always challenge myself and how we can do better at these things and when presented with an opportunity such as this where i had the opportunity to to run the design team I was like okay great like let's learn more about it let's dive in and i saw all these ways in which you know we as vmware were falling short not that again not that we had massive shortcomings per se but but also we didn't take advantage of all these things that we could right so i really look at it as untapped upside potential and for me though, I was like, Hey, this is great. Let's go do it. You know, it's, it's an obvious thing to do. So, um, I guess I, I would say that I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity and, and embrace it wholeheartedly. I would say that some folks though, you know, that I've worked with in my career definitely don't always embrace new information in the same way and maybe are more resistant to change, whether that's implicit or, or explicit. Right. Um, so I, I don't think it's always as easy <laughs> as this case may have been, but, um, but I do think, in general, the more that we can bring this uh, data crunching, number crunching to the forefront, to be able to provide data on how usability improvements, uh, again, holistically at the overall experience level, indivi- you know, individually at like the UI level, how those you know, investments there uh, improve things, like that, that's really important because I think oftentimes what what people will do. If you have, if you have a product team leader and that person's got a choice to hire one additional person and that choice is between an engineer who's going to write code maybe add a new feature versus a designer, I think oftentimes they're going to lean more into the engineer. And and yes, I mean there will be more engineers than designers, right? I mean it's sometimes uh, I think the industry standard is like what uh, ten engineers to one designer type ratio. Yeah, um, eight, to around that. eight to one. Okay,
0: it depends. The area, <laughs> yeah, depends
1: on the area. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, the, the more like systems problem stuff, you're not going to need as many designers, of course. So, um, so ne- naturally, there's going to be that sort of ratio that, that's at play there. But I think most folks are way <laughs> below that ratio in the sense they have way more engineers than eight or ten per single designer. And so, I do think that you know we as an industry need to sort of evolve our thinking around that sort of investment. Uh, profile to be more thoughtful that hey like going back to what i said before organizations or or let's say functions like design can really be a force multiplier for the existing engineers you have because again what you can get out of design is that hey you may not need that one ui or, or workflow or whatever at all because we can categorically remove it based on the overall user experience flow and so You know i just think it's that next level of thinking that a lot of people just don't realize is there and again that's our job as people who've drunk the kool-aid so to speak to really go and evangelize
0: yeah i like to think of it as like you know we get stuck in this reactive mode because there's always going to be a lot of things we need to do and build and all that and and design really does bring a proactivity and like you said thoughtfulness to the entire process yes and though it might feel like we're taking a lot more time in the beginning to do this it saves time in the long yep. run and people forget that, right? So to your point, like finding a way to measure the data, which can be a catch 22, because it's like you need people to go do that, but then you don't have people <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's tricky, but it's definitely something that um, hopefully brings people who have much more of an analytical perspective on things to realize there is a rationale behind um, supporting design in these efforts, yep. right? Um, which brings me to my next question, okay. <laughs> which is just like with cross-functional partners, Um, how do you hope that they start um, interacting more with design from what?
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of the ways we've talked about my vision is that they look at design as a foundational element of their, uh, engineering process that there's not a design process per se. There's just an engineering process of which design is a core element and not thinking about design as something separate or additional. And it goes back to the most basic thing, like when they get the group together to start doing the early brainstorming for the next product release or feature or whatever it is, the designs got to see at the table that they're there. Um, that the these product leaders, these team leaders, are looking at their overall ratios uh, of employees of different functions. Right? I mean, you've got you know product developers, you've got you know quality engineers, you've got performance engineers. You got designers, you got a bunch of different things, Uh, product managers. And so they they really are focused on those overall ratios and making sure to be thoughtful to invest properly in design. Because as you just said, you're right. Like, time well spent in design not only helps this release, but can also help all future releases, not to mention sustaining groups for past releases for features that just weren't needed or could be made much, much simpler. So that's really the vision, I think, in that. I think you put it very well, as opposed to being reactive, it's very much more proactive. And I look at that as multiple ways. So first, it's not the engineering team coming to the design, design team at the last minute saying, hey, we got a ship in like two weeks. Can you design this thing for me? Because this UI needs to go out the door. It's like, no, let's do it from the beginning. But also more fu- fundamentally that we as the design organization are not pushing those teams to get more out of design. They're pushing us, saying, Hey guys, we love what you're doing, but you're not doing enough. I need this, I need that. Why don't you get, you know, you know, hire more people, do this, that, you know, whatever. Like pushing on us to to really step up even more. So that for me is like the true vision that when they're pushing on us, saying that, hey, you're not doing enough, well, hopefully it means we're not totally screwing it up, but (laughs) hopefully what it means is that they've bought in and they're just looking for more because they see how good it is and they want more of it.
2: Yeah. There are a hundred other questions that we would like to ask you, but given time, here's my last question. Sure. Um, we've seen design's role evolve significantly from that button call help to moving beyond aesthetics and becoming a strategic asset for most companies, including ours, right? From from here on, how do you think can design help lead VMware's upcoming goals, especially with AI and Gen AI in the mix?
1: Yep. Well, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's happening with VMware, there's a few things that are happening. So let me talk about, really quickly, the broad um, scope of, of the changes and transformations that we're driving, and then how does design fit into that. So like any other company, you know, VMware is in the midst of transformation. So we're driving a very large transformation from perpetual licenses to SaaS and subscription. So that's a fundamental business model transformation and commercial model transformation. Obviously, we on the engineering side are moving from shrink wrap software products to cloud services. So that's another very foundational engineering model change, a lot of mindset changes that go behind that. And, you know, we as an industry are reckoning with this very large change uh, toward AI and generative AI, as you mentioned. And um, this is on the back of previous changes around cloud native applications and just moving to the cloud in general. So there's all sorts of these changes that are happening. And, you know, when I look at from VMware, as I said before, the core value prop originally was that we could solve these really hard, low-level systems challenges. I think our bigger value prop over time is really going to be around how do we solve these much larger scale, more diffuse problems? You know, how do customers manage across a multi-cloud environment? How do customers embrace these newer technologies like AI and Gen AI, but do so in a way that Enables them uh, to have data privacy, to uh, be safe from things like IP contamination, and many of the other sort of risks that are involved uh, in AI. And you start looking at those problems, and the scale and scope of them are absolutely massive. And they don't go toward any single one of our products, but instead can only be realized through the tight integration and seamless workflow across many of our products. And so. That, to me, is the most important aspect when I think about design. Again, it's not about any one product. It's about an outcome for a customer. And that's going to go across not just our products, by the way, but their existing products and other sort of open source things and public clouds. So there's a very big set of stuff there. And the only way for this to be successful is if we take a design-first mentality, that the amount of complexity here is going to be absolutely massive. And we've got to be really thoughtful at bringing together the best of design with also the best of some of these systems problems I mentioned before. Because what we're going to need to do is leverage things like AI to do intelligent automation, to try and take it, take away the you know working in the trenches type detail stuff that's just not going to be able to happen when you've got massive scale of like, 10,000 or 100,000 hosts or, or VMs spread across multiple different clouds. So that for me is like where I see you know the future of VMware. It's continuing to invest in the core technologies, the things that really brought us where we are today, but then pushing past that with things like um, AI and Gen AI, but also incorporating all those with design into our overall user experience. And that I, th- I think is gonna be foundational as to whether we're going to be able to be successful going forward. And by the way, I'll just say I'm biased, but I foundationally believe that we will be successful, that we will be able to incorporate design that fundamentally in how we go forward.
2: Big thank you, Kit, for joining us today and sharing your wealth of knowledge, uh, talking about embracing change and design as a force multiplier. And as always, thank you, dedicated listeners, for tuning in. Stay curious, stay innovative, and until next time, keep designing experiences that make the world a better place. Thank you.